Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcast and blog. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any specific trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is February 20th, it's a little after 11 a.m. New York time. And Andy, I I'm not sure there's a, there's a lot going on. Let's, I'll give you a choice of where to start. We could talk about Middle East tension, OPEC plus policy, uh, China demand, U.S. oil supply. Why don't we start there? Okay, I'll pick um, door number four. Then let's okay. start with let's start with U.S. Uh, crude production. Always a, a good place to start, and uh, a key variable in, the, in global markets, no, no question. Currently, crude production, which dipped a lot in January from thirteen three, you know, down down into the low twelves because of the the freeze outs uh, has now rebounded to 13.3 million barrels a day. Now, what's interesting is that the EIA is saying that U.S. crude supply is going to decline from here on out in 2024. They have 2024 production at 13.1 million barrels a day relative to where we are now at 13.3 million barrels a day. And that one is really hard to justify. In fact, I, I think that that number is, is going to prove much too low. The market has now rallied back. Even the, the back of the curve has rallied somewhat. And uh, I think we're going to see, certainly Exxon didn't buy Pioneer to uh, reduce production. And uh, Chevron didn't buy Hess last year to uh, reduce production. You might see some independents try to say, yeah, we're going to maintain discipline. But Jim, I, I can't imagine that U.S. production is going to decline from, uh, from here on out. All right. What do you think? What's in their model that is predicting that? you think it's based on price, rid counts, all the above? Yeah. You know, I, I don't. Like I don't a lag price. Yeah, maybe maybe a lag price. Maybe they look at where the uh, where the investments are. They certainly look at where rig count and the uh, drilled but uncompleted wells are, and certainly the, the depletion has got to be in their uh, in their model. But um, as I said, it's really hard to uh, to see it coming off. Particularly, I think well, Permian is is you know I think is still bound to grow. This year, and um, you know, we'll see what happens in the Bakken, where Hess is really strong. So, you know, I, I would, and I just saw an article actually about uh, Bakken production uh, looks to rebound this year. So, um, you know, I, I think the number is going to be 
rather than uh, 13.1. You know, I, I think it's going to be closer to 13.4, 13.5, something like that. So is it, can they, this this number that uh, 13.3 is off of the weekly numbers and it gets uh, revised right. Um, right. with the monthlies, but um, do you think it's actually three point, can, can they bring back, I mean, there was almost a million barrels a day lost. Can they bring back that much? that fast uh yeah you, you, yeah, you, you I, like that number is what i'm saying yeah i mean may, maybe it's 13 too but i yeah they came they came back pretty quickly so i, I think and there was other growth in in that besides the the return so yeah i i think the 13 3 13 2 13 3 for right now is is uh is correct and speaking of the freeze what's the status with uh refineries well, that's a big that that of course has been uh, a major factor in um, in this rally back up from uh, seventy to, to almost eighty today on the on the nearby and expiring March because there's been um, unbelievable strength in the in the refined products cracks really rallied sharply both the both diesel and uh, gasoline um, diesel. The diesel crack almost got up to fifty dollars, which is unbelievable. And the reason is that uh, refineries not only are taking fairly large turnarounds in February and March, but we lost a significant amount of uh, refinery capacity owing to the the freezeouts. And some some plants just, you know, some of the management said, "All right, well, you know, we'll just we'll take the turnaround." So, you know, we've seen runs go from before the freeze, they were running at like 16.6, and, or maybe not that high. And now they're 14.8 million barrels a day. So, you know, so, it, it, that's really, you know, that's really come off, obviously. Uh, and we're not making, uh, we're not making enough diesel or enough gasoline right now. With the, um, you know, the... Can you talk about crude oil structure? Crude oil rallied as well, despite you know the crude production coming back faster than the run. Yeah, I think it was right, and I, I think it was um, dragged up somewhat by. Uh, I think that you had somewhat. You know what should have happened? <laughs> the cracks rallying makes a lot of sense. Yes, but that you, that you could get. And yes. by the way, the, the crude run number is fourteen five, not uh, fourteen eight. So okay. that down significantly. But getting back to the the cracks, yeah, they should have rallied because we have refinery issues. What is not quite, what doesn't quite work, Jim, is that the market has gone big backward dated. Right. Uh, it looks like you know there's something march is expiring today that spread went out what, what did we see 130 no it's higher than Over, that i mean something's you know who knows yeah. what's going on exactly in the in the march but that should have flattened out right and not and uh not gone backward dated so you know that one's a little you know that one's a little harder to uh harder to explain and if you look at where crude inventories are, at least in the U.S., they're running around normal. There, there may be like half a day supply over the, the five-year average. So, so all, all that leads you to believe that the, the curve should have been flat, but it, 
is it? It isn't. Um, and it's also the same thing in Brent as well. We've seen a strong curve. Right. Right. Brent is Brent is saying strong. And there too, you would think that, you know, one of the big things in Europe is that Russian, you know, Russian products have been because of the drones being hit, uh, the Ukrainian drones, the Ukraine is going after Russian petroleum assets mm -hmm. and they hit a couple of refineries and the they hit which has tightened up the the diesel somewhat as well as uh as well as gasoline but you know you'd expect that exports of euros or it doesn't go to europe but if you look at a broader picture you know you'd expect more euros to be out and that the curve would flatten but it hasn't uh, right right yeah so, um it's it's interesting um to look at uh you know what we read and what we see it doesn't doesn't always work out although the IEA pointed out something about stocks on land stocks on the water and maybe you could talk about that as well yeah and that is probably if if we look at stocks on land they said at the end of January there was a, a massive draw and that stocks on land were the lowest since 2016 so that you would think you know okay i could take that and argue for you know certainly you would argue for for a backward dated market and that's got to be you know that that's got to be it stocks on water though were growing certainly because of um some of the the issues in in the in the red sea uh with ships having to go around africa so you could see stocks on water growing uh but meanwhile stocks on land have been drawing and and yeah maybe that maybe that's why you're probably more than maybe i mean that that's possibility uh as to why europe uh or brent has gone uh, so backward dated yep i'll be interested to look at the uh u.s exports to europe i wonder if that's going to pick up as well like you know maybe that's what's caught because you know now they're Brent's got a a little bit of a was it Midland crude in their in their formula, so right. so, so maybe we're seeing some uh, more this you know maybe recent uh, more more uh, exports of U.S. crude oil to Europe. I don't know. Interesting. Earlier this month, uh, CEO of Oxy, uh, Vicky Holub. Vicky Holub, right? Yeah, yeah. She said uh, she was quoted as saying, "In a, a couple of years' time, we're going to be short on supply." Why don't you comment on that comment? Well, you know, there's nothing like a CEO of an oil company talking her position. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 great to it's great to hear, uh, particularly if you're an oxy shareholder you know it, it really flies in the face of, of some of the thinking about 2025 because already you know there's a lot of chat about how horrendous 2025 is going to be because there's going to be all this new non-opec production coming on on and opec is going to be unwinding their uh production cuts so you already have a lot of hand-wringing about uh 2025 
and uh and beyond oh well 2025 and maybe into uh 2026 but i guess she's looking beyond that to the uh to the end of the decade and um is hopeful that some of the investment money that wasn't spent earlier this decade will lead to uh a tightness in in uh, new supply but I, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of gains off in offshore supply, so you know I'm I'm certainly you know I w- I'm not sure I bet all that much on uh, you know on, on what Vicky Holub is saying, but again, she may not be wrong. Right. I mean, you don't you don't see it in the curve, right? I mean, you, you don't see. Uh... No, you don't see it in the curve. You yeah. definitely don't see it in the curve. I mean, the the you know the the cows back there are are much cheaper than the uh than the you know than the 2024 20, cows yeah and we i guess it was a couple of years ago we we had that drumbeat of uh you know uh lack of investing is going to when, when these oil companies uh uh started getting disciplined or people were talking about we're going to have a shortage and then you know year out and we we actually saw people putting money down and uh you know lots of out of the money options upside were bought to play, you know, the coming shortage of crude oil uh, due to a lack of investment. And um, if I re- they may have been bailed out by, by the war. I'm not sure, but it, you know, it didn't quite, it, it moved up, the prices moved up, but not, not quite as people were expecting. So, um, but we, we're not seeing that now either. So nobody's not quite reacting to that. So let's, we we usually have this. Uh, we try to have this podcast after the big three, OPEC, IEA, EIA, uh, come out with their uh, monthly oil reports and and discuss the uh, differences or the, the numbers you disagree with. But you know, if there's one word that comes out of this is uh, is pretty much balanced. Yeah. Um, why don't yeah. you comment on on what you saw? Now, if you uh, look at the big you know the big three OPEC, EIA, and uh, the IEA. Of course, we don't really we don't know we're we're not going to know where OPEC production is. So that that's a guess. The EIA puts out their guess and, and they see rising OPEC production. But if you look at the EIA numbers, they have uh, a, a big draw in the first quarter, and then the the second, which I tend to agree with, and then. The second, third, and fourth quarter, they have like up 0.1 million barrels a day. That's 0.1. So for the year, given that there was a big draw in the first quarter, they're down 0.11. So balanced, as as you said. Uh, looking now, OPEC is not. OPEC has big demand gains. I don't know where they, you know, how they're seeing it, but they have a 2.2 million barrel per day demand gain over um, last year. And if you, if you put all their numbers together and use, you know, best guesses to OPEC production, they've got a draw of 1.4 million barrels a day for the whole year. Oof. So that's, that's pretty bullish. Talk again, talk about talking about your book, you know, yeah, compounding yeah. your book. You know, if these OPEC numbers are right, it'll it'll allow a, a quicker unwind of uh, of the cuts. 
and the IEA two actually they don't they don't have much of a they don't have much of a draw in the first quarter uh but if you look at all their numbers they have a draw of around 300,000 for the year so a slight draw um actually less than that i'm sorry 100,000 so again balanced you know everybody's looking for balance and crg our our numbers we've got a draw of 600,000 in the first quarter and then slight draws in the, the the rest of the way for a yearly draw of about two hundred and fifty thousand, which is nothing, you know. No, it, it, it's all balanced, right? Uh, which is why I think that you know the market is, um, you know, we're in this we're in this seventy eighty range, and um, well, you know, there's not a lot of enthusiasm on on trading crude right now. Um, yeah, there's a lot that can happen, obviously. But um, well, we're you know we're commodity guys, and um, we don't think about comment like saying the market's going into a new normal. That's kind of like we we think about a new chaos. So uh, last month, I I was uh, uh, given the uh, EIA a hard time because they had their price forecast. You know, it has you you have this uh, straight line going out for two years, and I said that you know that's not going to happen. But so far they're right, and I know. And they you know volatility in crude oil on October fourteenth um, was forty four and a half, and on Friday, uh, the first two months settled at twenty eight. And you can think about all the crazy headlines we've heard since then, and this market has just gone very quiet. Uh, from an option standpoint, so it's, you know, it, yep. I, I think Jim that the you know, the action has been on, on in refined products, right? You know the cracks, the curves. Although yes. there's action in the in the crude curves, but I think the real you know the real money if people had it right, you know has has been on uh, on the refined product side because those you know those are moving, but you know crude is contained in this range. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's definitely showing up in options in other ways. You when I looked at the um, outstanding or the top uh, like open interest strikes in Brent and WTI options, um, they're strikes that uh, built their op open interest a while ago. So so the top number the top call for Brent is a one ten call in June. It's got forty nine thousand open interest. That's a good number. Uh, but it was put on, you know, I don't, I can't, I can't even tell. It was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then June 100 calls got is 33,000. Uh, June 85 calls 32,000. So these, you know, these have been on for a while. And, and WTI has one of those wacky 50 cent call strikes in May, uh, 76 and a half, 77 call spread, 61,000 open interest. That's a huge number. People were doing these a lot. You know, over a year ago, uh, and I'm not sure I, I didn't see this go, but it, it's um, I, I'm pretty sure it's been on for a while. And then the one behind that is the D250 call at twenty four thousand. So when when the heck was that put on? So oh, man. you know, and and then you could put the same thing there in in Brent. It's the June seventy five, seventy, sixty five, sixty puts in in WTI. It's uh, the June in D sixty puts. Um, the D's 55, 65 puts, and, and those are small, small open interest numbers. So I'm not saying it's not trading. It is. It's just uh, 
it's got that balanced look to it, basically. The, stuff, the paper flows all over the place. However, we have seen this decline in vol that I, that I mentioned. That's probably the big, the biggest story is that uh, the, the EIA was right. It's balanced. There's a headline right there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, was right. I'm, yeah, I have to be careful because I'm not, I'm not putting down their intelligence. I'm putting, I'm just saying well, it's, re it's really well, hard to do. It's hard to do with it. It's impossible. It's very difficult to do. And they're also going against the grain, where, like I said, as a commodity person, you're, you're, you have a little uh, PTSD built into you, where some, you know, or some kind of nervous tick because you, you've, you know, lived through some of these uh, crazy markets. Um, and we take you take it day by day, so you know we you know it's like oh we're in a new normal. Uh, I don't think so. Um, don't get me going on value at risk, Andy. Uh, we'll skip that topic for now. We'll skip that topic for now. Okay, so um, let's talk about um, China demand. Somebody asked me at a at a dinner a while ago if I thought we were going to see a super cycle in commodities in this year. Like it was it was late last year. And and I asked him, uh, what do you think of uh, the Chinese economy? And he said, I don't think it's going to do much. I said, well, then I, I'd say your answer, you answered your own question. Right. Uh, would you say that's? I think that's, I think that's do much. I, I think if it shows, you know, some, the growth expected, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head what the uh, IMF was saying about the, the China uh, GDP, but obviously they've, had a lot of uh, a lot of structural issues, and you know, last year they came up with a decent demand growth. The IE, the IEA has them; uh, they were way up on on Chinese demand. We we I think we were up. CRG was up a million. I think I uh, the IEA was up one and a half. But a lot of that was because was uh, comps. You know, the comparisons to right twenty twenty two when they were still in you know they were still in lockdowns right so you know the demand that yeah they had a good demand growth but that's because 2022 was so crummy i think 2024 you know i i, I think uh probably get half a million to six hundred thousand barrels a day maybe maybe slightly more than that but i, I don't think it'll be a you know a, a boffo year in uh on Chinese uh, petroleum demand. Now they've done, yeah, and they've done this throughout the years. You know, they've done a good job of um, trying to trade, really, um, in terms of, you know, when the price is high, buy less. And when the price is low, buy more. And they've been able to do that because they, they've got a decent amount of, you know, they've got enough inventory to, to play it that way. So another reason why, you know, the market, you know, what has been contained in this, uh, contained in this range, you know, they certainly bought less in the, in when the fourth, when the third and fourth quarters were, you know, were making new price highs mm -hmm. and maybe I think they bought a little bit more, you know, when WTI was dipping down into the low seventies and Brent was also into the, into the, uh, low seventies. So they've done a good job. In, in you know managing inventories and um to a certain extent you know managing the price risk and um what do you what do you want to say about uh opec plus uh policy going forward 
Well, they've got a they've got a meeting coming up in in March. I, I get the sense there's not going to be any uh, big changes for uh, for second quarter, and it's going to be, you know, the, the next meeting maybe in May or June after that when they, they'll see if they can, you know, unwind some of the price cuts. Demand may be strong enough to allow them to do a little bit, you know, a. a tiered on on type of uh type of unwind you know they're in terms of who's cutting and and what the market's not expecting them to comply to all their cuts and they haven't um you know there's been some cuts from um kuwait of course but iraq uae a little little bit slower on uh trying to comply the wild card of course is russia you know that they may be able to comply on their on the totals because you know they may have more crude for sale we'll see you know we'll see in the next in the next couple of months but you know i i think you know the i think the saudis are canny enough that that they know they can't un do all their, you know, they can't unwind their a million barrels a day right now. You know, the market's certainly not, not there. You know, maybe if maybe if they can see the market get up to into the mid eighties to ninety, you know, they can start an, an unwind. Interesting. Uh, there's a story in I think the Wall Street Journal today about how the Saudis are um, uh, needing cash for all their expensive projects that they're spending money on. Right. So they don't want they don't want to see the market. They don't want to see Brent, you know, in the low 70s, high high 60s. You know, that that's um you know, that that they certainly don't want to see. Um I think they could live with 80, uh 75 to 85 something something like that. You know, and then among some of the other uh OPEC countries, um we'll see if the US tightens up sanctions on Iran. There's been a lot in the press lately about uh, how we, how we've sort of allowed Iran to export more uh and Venezuela we'll see if if you know we're trying to loosen the sanctions and now they're building they're massing troops on the Guyana on Guyana's border so you know we'll see whether or not the the and and vent production has been going up a little bit um so we'll see you know whether whether that gets uh, tightened, and there's always you know, and there's always Libya, as to you know they they had production cut in January, uh, December and January because of um, the strikes or I don't know because of something because of their usual their usual issues in uh, in Venezuela between the two governments in the in the uh east and the west and the and the um noc in, in libya so you know they they the surety of supply coming from libya is, is certainly not great and that's an understatement right i was i think about uh venezuela troops on the border i'm thinking what's what's the policy there they want to take over the production of ghana and and turn it into zero is that what the deal that's that's what they did with their own stuff, right? I know. Yeah, I, I, don't, know. I don't get it. But well, they um, they they say that there's no, a dis I... there's a disputed land. You know, of course, uh, which they you know they claim is theirs. Yes. Of course, it has some of it has the oil. 
I don't think there's anything going to happen, but you know, there's something that it's an event that could happen. It it could happen. That's right. That's why. Yeah. And walk around nervous about the markets all the time. I'd rather be an option buyer in oil and seller if, if I can. And that's because all this stuff that you just sleep, right. you sleep I mean, better at night. We haven't even spoken about the, the Middle East. Well, that's that was the first thing I mentioned uh, with you, topics for you to pick. And um, let's talk about that. The Red Sea stuff is flowing through, but um, stuff is also going around. Uh, I, I think Wood McKenzie had something out that said 20% of uh, oil tankers are using the long route. Yeah, I think that that's about right. I think that's about right. Um, let's say roughly 2 million barrels a day, something like that. A million and a half to two, maybe more. Um, so it's definitely had an impact on shipping costs. And uh, there's been dislocation. And the despite the U.S. bombing of, of uh, in Yemen um, and in Iran, uh, the, you know, the, the, the attacks, there was just another, there was one, what was it, Friday? Uh, you know, there was one two days ago, which the crew had to abandon ship. Mm. So that doesn't look like it's, so, you know, that, that's not changing. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's quieting down any. Uh, and of course, uh, Israel's dealing with Hezbollah in the north, and they're threatening to invade Rafa. So we still haven't lost any, any supply. And uh, hopefully things quiet down somewhat there, but right, you know, it, it's it's still a factor. It's a day by day thing, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a day by day thing, exactly. Cargo by exactly. cargo, yeah. Which which would you rather be right now, an oil producer or an oil refiner? I would rather be a producer because the um, you know the. All this capacity is coming back, and there is new there is new refinery capacity in Africa. There's a giant five hundred thousand in Nigeria. There's a giant five hundred thousand barrel a day refinery opening up in the Middle East. There's more capacity, and and in China more capacity. Both probably more next year than this year, but you know there's growth in refinery capacity. And the other thing is nobody wants to buy a refinery. You know, they'll build them like in the US, you know, refiners have been trying to um the Houston refinery, you know, they've been trying to sell that for years now. And you know, there's not there's no buyers. So they're just gonna close it. Mm. Um so you know, I think I, I think I'd rather be yeah, I'd rather be a producer. At least you could sell your company. You know, we're seeing all this. Right. You know, we're seeing all this consolidation and, um, you know, you could, there's value there. Right. Uh, it's it, this, this energy transition is uh, very interesting. And I, I just wanted to ask you as an analyst, you know, you, you contend with, you know, EV sales cutting into gasoline demand. And then on the, on the other side of this is uh, increased, uh, hydrocarbon demand um i guess mainly for plastics but uh, other things as well so many things are made with uh, petrochemicals 
So on the one hand, you have a sharp increase in demand. On the other one, you have one that's tailing off. Um, how, how do you deal with that in terms of coming up with your numbers? Well, a lot of it is uh, guess as to what the, you know, where, where are EV sales going to be this year? Well, last year, I think they were 1.2 1, 1. 1. million. And this year, there's expectations that it's going to be 1.6, 1.7 million. So, you know, that just back of the envelope stuff, you know, you're losing uh, 100 to 150,000 barrels a day of uh, gasoline demand, something something like that. And of course, globally, you know, we've seen tremendous growth in, in China. But what, what's been interesting is there's definitely consumer pushback from EVs. So, uh, you know, on, on the EV front in terms of uh, range and colder weather and being able to well, range and colder weather plus no, not enough charging stations. Um, so it's it's possible that we don't meet you know we don't meet those numbers. And certainly, it it looks like the bigger trend is that the transition is backing up in terms of you know it, it it'll take longer. Which you and I knew we've talked about this for years. Yeah, it's it, and I guess um. Toyota had this idea that uh, hybrids would be a better way to go because you know you sort of maximize the uh, the use of the metals across you know wider range of cars that would kind of be in um, op- operating more hours and stuff. And I actually have a hybrid, and it's really uh, it's really nice because I don't have to depend on our our energy grid, which is being taxed more and more because you know. They are pushing to be really green, and they want to at the same time they want to electrify everything. So it's a very um, it's very hard to uh, get that balance right. And and so far so good. They you know we've had we haven't had interruptions of power through some major storms, but you know it's going to happen more and more. And you know in the winter time, I New York put a big push to get people to. Uh, install heat pumps and I look at which I did and I look at my electric bill and these things use a lot of power it, well, during the heat not not during the cooling well, times during the winter time the, the they use so much electricity and um, you know if you're if you're charging a car on top, it, it, in the cold weather uh, you're you're putting a lot of stress on the grid so it'd be interesting to see uh, how this all turns out. Andy, I just before we uh, wrap it up, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, the, I mentioned the the option flow looks kind of like a normal or, or a balanced market. It's not so much in, in, in um, natural gas options. Uh, I posted something on LinkedIn last week or on Saturday, and it basically shows that we're in this free-falling uh, natural gas market and yet the uh, the option skew is flipped, so it's kind of like it's gotten very uh, to the bullish uh, side. So skews to me, they don't they're not really meaningful. They each each market has its own skew. Crude oil is uh, tends to be you know put put volatility is over call volatility. You know if you look at a twenty five delta, I think the front months like minus three right now. Call over. Oh, I'm sorry, put over. And then you go out to December, and it might be minus five. So, uh, where natural gas 
can be the opposite. And um, uh, anyway, that's flipped. So I just want to see today we're down. I want to see if we're close to uh, reaching a bottom here. So we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, um, that, any, move, yep. that move has been unbelievable. That move has been incredible. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. If I was, I it's, don't know, over $3 just the you know, as we went into the went into the freeze, and now we're dollar fifty something. Yeah, it's relentless on the way down, and uh, uh, we'll see. There's a lot, a lot of heavy volume. It's not one way, but you know, like I said, the the, the there are more puts trading than calls, but the open interest is going up in puts as well. So it's not it's not a hundred percent liquidation, uh, but we are seeing, uh, like I said, the skew has uh, kind of flipped to, to the to the more it has a more if you just look at the options, you say, well, this market has a little more bullish look to it. I'm not, I'm not saying the skew is an indicator. I just look for times when um, things are different than they have been recently. And that's the case. Um, anything else, Andy, you want to include in this month's podcast? No, I think we I think we've uh we've covered a lot. There's there is a lot going on. You know, yes. the market is in this range, but still. Uh, you know, as we, as we mentioned, the product markets, and you just mentioned the natural gas market, which has, you know, really, really been the, the one way move down, one way move down after a one way move up. Right. But, um, yeah, I th there's certainly a lot to be paying attention to in this in this market. It's, and it sounds like uh, you expect more of the same. You're all balanced, and so to me, that's maybe a if it's slight draws, maybe a grinding sideways to slightly supported market going forward. Yeah, I, I, that that's what I mean. We I think we said that for the last the last podcast, yes. grinding sideways. Um, you know, the market did get did get hit on false rumors of a, of a ceasefire, and um, also I think concern about the the um, you know, whatever the, the the concern about the economy, whether or not the Fed was going to cut, uh, brought in a lot of brought in some speculative flow from the downside, and um, you know, that flow was was wrong actually in yeah. retrospect. Wow, it, you know, it's listen. These are tough markets, but economists yeah. are. Th th this is not their better days. <laughs> Definitely not. We didn't get the recession. I'm wondering, do we do we get a recession now? That everybody everybody's on board for growth, um, so I'm try, I always try to think of what's the most sort of the least uh, expected outcome. So, when over a year ago, our other partner Ed, we were talking about, well, the only thing that people aren't talking about is strong growth with declining inflation, and right. we, weren't pre we weren't predicting it. We we're just saying this is what we're not hearing as a possible outcome, and that's what happened, and and. Now the the outcome would be that the Fed actually raises rates before I, they lower them. There was just an article. Oh uh, no, really? I think it was in Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal. Oh god, about you know the the if you look at the options markets, you know that that there's a chance that they rate actually raise rates. Oh good, that, that's yeah. that, that's that, that's creeping in. Great, great, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Andy. Um, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes, you can reach me uh, at alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com or through our website, Commodity Research Group. 
and LinkedIn. Yeah, I do. I do more stuff on LinkedIn these days. So if anybody's interested, connect with me on LinkedIn, and um, I post uh, certain some articles or things that I like, and and these and the podcast will be up there in, in probably by later today or tomorrow. All until, right. Till next month, Andy. Till next month. <laughs>